DACA, ITIN, first time home buyer or want to invest? Embar Mendez is a bilingual agent with Remax Real Estate Results, ready to help you. Call or text her today to talk about buying or selling property at 479-879-3398. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the District 3 Podcast. Uh, I am Manny. And my name is Irvin, and we're back after a little two-week hiatus. Uh, I think like we all need to take a little break for our mental health sometime, and that's what we did. Yeah, and uh, you know we had the holidays. Um, everything is just you know we had it was a crazy November. Oh my God, we've been doing this for I, what? What is it? Uh, Seventy weeks almost. You and yeah, I lost count. You know how like I usually say what the episode number is. I don't <laughs> you know. What know it is I, this I noticed week. it. I was trying not to point it out. It's this been crazy. Time. It's twenty twenty. It's like man, like I, that's the last thing in my mind. Right. Uh, that I really that I could really. Uh, Um, have to bring but um, one of the things that's important to talk about this week uh, before we uh, talk to our guest today is um, there was a vigil yesterday yeah we want to send our condolences to all the families that have lost loved ones um, from COVID-19 specifically those that have lost loved ones in the poultry industry Mm -hmm. from George's to Cargill to Tyson Um, Irvin you were at that vigil Mm -hmm. right Um, can you tell us a little bit about how it went yeah, I mean, um, there was a pretty good crowd. Um, there was uh, a lot of people that had family members, you know, who either had been sick or there was also someone there who had lost her husband, um, someone who worked at one of these poultry factories. And they read the names out loud of the folks that they do know uh, worked at poultry factories and passed away due to COVID. And, you know, I couldn't just, when I was there, like I've, for the past few months, you know, I've been worried about my mom who worked in the poultry industry for like almost 20 years and my stepfather and I couldn't like stop thinking about like you know this could have been my mom this could have been my stepfather whose names are reading out loud yeah um so definitely we send our condolences to everybody that has lost a loved one to know that there is a community that that supports you and that does support justice and will continue to be outspoken to make sure that that uh, everyone feels safe in their workplace. Yeah, and and thank you to all the people at Venceremos and yeah, s- shout out Magali, Magali in 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 specific for working so hard in in mm-hmm. that. Um, and on a brighter note, um, we wanted to talk about Selena the series. Um, yeah, you were telling me you haven't got, you haven't watched the whole thing yet, right? I, I binge watched it, the whole thing, the whole thing, the whole thing. I, I binge watched a few episodes, and what do you think so far? I mean, I, I'm enjoying it. It's entertaining. Have you seen all the hate they've been getting on social media? It's been getting media? a lot of hate. It's, like, exaggerated. Like, I, I got to the point where I was, come on. Like, I watched the whole thing. The acting was good. People were saying the acting wasn't good. I'm like, who, who is, like, the expert in acting here? <laughs> right. Like, you can tell someone that their acting is not good. Like, they're pretty good. And, and even people were saying that uh, Christian Serratos, who plays Selena, um, did not do a good as a job as, as J-Lo did. And just comparing that is, like crazy on its own yeah i think it's more about people just being huge j-lo fans which i'll give a pass to that because i think we're all huge j-lo fans yeah um but you know i at the end of the day um selena's sister is an executive producer on the show yeah and i am going to defer to her expertise over anybody else's hate you know if she's if she gave the okay the thumbs up on that show to play her 
Christian yeah, to play your sister. Exactly, and the script and everything. Then nobody else can say anything. You know? I think they should give they should give the show a chance. Um, there's been pictures posted online of like, um, literally J Lo right from the first movie and uh-huh. then Christian like in the worst angle ever saying like you went from this Selena to this Selena and it's like come on they picked the worst picture um, th- she did an amazing job and uh, at the same time now there's posts online showing like Selena back in like the late 80s compared to the show and they look very similar yeah so I think people are just kind of you know always wanting to pick something to, to say uh, something negative about but give the show a chance I think I think you'll like it yeah at the end of the day I'm thankful that there is a remake of the whole series because uh, the movie was amazing mm-hmm. but Selena's life was so detailed that it deserved something that could yeah. speak to that and go into a little more length about um, everything that she went through what their life was like mm-hmm. you know her brother and her sister her brother who started Cumbia King so yeah. anybody like Anybody who knows anything about Latin music knows that Cumbia Kings is is hugely influential. And yeah, I mean, he wrote wrote, most of her songs. Exactly. He doesn't get credit for that either. You know, it's kind of like, I think that any time that Netflix or any other kind of media highlights a woman of color, it's a win. Yeah. No, we shouldn't really like try to like pick at it and like. How often do you see actors that look like you in movies, you know, or or in TV shows and anything? Yeah, it's like this is based on like a Mexican American and. A Mexican American woman who's also native. Yeah, who her I believe her mom was is native, and uh, and they have Mexican American actors. It's like we got to give we got to give it a, a chance. And uh, I mean I, I did I do wish that Chris, who was her husband, would have more input. But apparently he didn't have any input in the show. Yeah, which is kind of sad, especially him being so close to her. But um, I just say give the show a chance. Agreed. Um, I'm thankful for it at the end of the day. Yeah, we're going to take a little quick music break. And what song are we playing today, Manny? We're going to play Alicia Keys and Brandy Carlisle, A Beautiful Noise. And we'll be right back with our guest. I have a voice Started out as a whisper Turned into a scream Made a beautiful noise Shoulder to shoulder marching in the street when you're all alone, it's a quiet break But when you're band together, it's a choir of thunder and rain Now we have a choice, cause I have a voice I'm not living to die Don't stand in a wasteland and look at me in the eye Stop living a lie and stand up next to me You gotta put one foot in front of the other with a hand in Go on and rejoice Cause you have a voice It is loud, it is clear You're stronger than your fear It's believing you belong It's for calling out the wrong From the silence of my sister To the violence of my brother We can, we can rage Against the river, feel the pain of another For the ones who aren't yet really free It's killing me No one is saying what we need to hear I will not let silence win Now when I see all the pain Our people are in There's no other choice 
songs I have a voice. It is love, it is clear, it is stronger than your fear. It's believing you belong, it's for calling out the wrong. From the mouths of our mothers to the lips of our daughters, we can, we can dream like our brothers speaking loud like our fathers. We can, we can heal. Can you hear us? Can you hear us now? I have a voice. Started out as a whisper, turned into a scream, made a beautiful noise. Shoulder to shoulder, watching in the street. When you're all alone, it's a quiet break. But when we stand together, it's a choir of thunder and rain. Now we have a choice, I have a voice. Now we have a choice, I have a voice. Now we have a choice, I have a Brandy Carlisle and Alicia Keys. A beautiful noise, and the great thing about that song is that it was a campaign song for our guest today. Yes, and uh, our guest today has been elected to uh, serve in the city council. Woo, 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 woo. Ward one, position <laughs> yeah, two. Like, can we woot woot that? that yeah, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm woot woot that. Let's go. So thanks for joining us, uh, Miss Gayatri Agnew. Should I call you Councilwoman Gayatri? Yeah. Councilwoman elect works just fine. <laughs> you can also call me Gayatri. Thank you guys so much for having me here. Our pleasure. Um, I do want to talk a lot about like the journey, you know, because I know that journey. it must be exhausting. That's the word. You know, you, you have the general election. And then you have a runoff like that just sounds because I was tired by election day. I was and I wasn't even running. Overtime election, yeah. The overtime election, the bonus month. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. I think you extra innings. If I remember correctly, did you announce like in July or June? I did. Yes. Which everybody was wondering. Everyone was like, "What is Gaetri gonna do?" You know what's funny? I have to tell you guys, and I think this is the right show to share this on. I had actually actively intended and planned not not to run. Mm. Really? I told a lot of people, not just for city council, but for, for anything, it uh -huh. is, um, it's a lot of work to mm. run for public office. Right. And I had planned not to run. And I don't think that you can be a brown human in America and not have woken up in new and different ways since mm -hmm. last March. Right. You just can't. And so it just sat with me March, April, May, June. And then by July, I was collecting signatures to run. So, mm. yeah, yeah, I really, I had really thought through and made a very conscious and intentional decision not to do it and changed my mind. So, And I think we can kind of go back even further. I mean, you ran for state representative back, was a state representative, right? Yeah, that's right, 2018. Mm -hmm. 2018, and okay, the, and then you have that little break between 2019, but, um, like, that that's exhausting to think, you know, after you, you run a race and you put so much work into it, and you don't end up winning, you know, like, what is that, 
what did you feel inside that told you, you know what, like, yeah, I lost here, but I have to keep on going. I have to try to to possibly run and win again. Yeah, because she because she just said she didn't want to do it. She yeah. was like, no, I'm. You done. know, I, I someone said something to me once, and it just it really has stuck with me, which is that as long as you are building community, you don't win and lose. So so yes, you win and lose elections, as in at the end of an election, someone holds the office. Mm-hmm. But at the end of an election, even the person who holds the office doesn't necessarily hold more influence or power mm-hmm. because you're doing something else when you run for political office and you're building mm-hmm. political power. Yeah. And, and that is you're building community. I mean, all, political power is a fancy way of saying a strong community. Yeah. And so I think for me in 2018, we built strong community in Bentonville and we built community that hadn't been energized and activated and that energy was as strong the day after we lost the office as it was right the day before and so I knew I had a responsibility to do something with that Mm -hmm. and to encourage uh, those that had volunteered on my campaign those that had never thought about being engaged in political office in any way shape or form to continue to feel connected to that civic fabric of our community so I think for me that frame that it's not winning and losing in the finality of the sense of like yes posted winners and losers according to the news media the night of an election but I think when we build community and when we strengthen people's sense of connectedness to each other we always win yeah I mean that's a great point especially I mean I I find um, a similar thing with Irvin's races um, well, yeah, because I ran because he ran. Yeah, I mean, I, that's... I mean, like, I did. I yeah. did, and in 2018, you came to my kickoff. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And I told you that I'm yeah. running because you ran, and when others run because I ran, like, mm-hmm. it's it's collective, yeah. and it's contagious, but it takes one to go, and then someone else to go, mm-hmm. and someone else to go after that. Right, and, and Irvin, I mean, we've talked about this on the show, is like, Irvin didn't necessarily ever... ever think that you were going to run for office it was more like you got talked into it yeah and you know here we are all these years later and we're still talking about that civic engagement encouraging that uh, the next generation of people to run i mean um it's so important but it is it's just a community and there's so many people that end up feeling connected whenever they see somebody um that looks like them that reflects the their same values Mm -hmm fighting for the things that they believe in um going against an establishment because it's that's what it is in arkansas at the moment it is just an establishment of 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 people and ideas that are going against what people like us really fight for yeah and how do you how did you uh, i guess starting off with the race for state representative back in 2018 uh when did you get a sense that you were let's say building community like when did you mm. realize that you know and because i feel like there is sometimes a, a point in these races where you're like you know like they people are are helping me out and, and yeah it's like me. there's this very specific moment that happens on a campaign where you realize that as cool as you may be and as much as it may be about the people that you know it is no longer about you it's about the ideals that you're giving you're giving people in a community a sense of, of hope and belief in something that's possible for them that they may not have seen and it starts to get bigger than you. Mm-hmm. And so for me, those moments came when I'd be like driving through Bentonville and I'd see my yard sign in a, in a yard and I'd have no idea whose yard it was. Or we'd start <laughs> to have volunteers pour into the office. This was back in 2018 when you could 
be with humans and we had an office and and I didn't know who they were and and you realize that you are a catalyst for something bigger happening in your community but it's not about you it's about the folks that show up for the first time to volunteer on a political campaign because a friend of theirs told them that they would like what I had to say right so it's that it's like your your circle of influence all of a sudden becomes how the people around you choose to engage their circle and then those circles just magnify and that connectedness that's that's what I mean by building community mm -hmm. when that community gets bigger than you. Yeah, what were and what were some of the things that you were highlighting during your campaign uh, for city council in Benville? Some of the major issues that you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, so I mean, I, I focused my campaign on three things, but at the end of the day, one thing. So we chose the hashtag One Bentonville for the campaign, and I actually used the hashtag One Bentonville on my 2018 race as well. Mm -hmm. And what that means to me is a place where everyone feels welcome and everyone belongs. And that's an important narrative, especially in Bentonville, because you hear the term old Bentonville or new Bentonville a lot. Mm -hmm. And so when I came out and started talking about one Bentonville, we've got to build a community where everyone feels a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And that is as much true for someone whose family has been in Bentonville for generations, as was the case with my opponent, or someone who is deciding right now whether they want to relocate their family to Bentonville, Arkansas. And so that was, that was the core message of the campaign. Um, so I talked a lot about inclusion. I talked a lot about what it means to be an inclusive community and to build inclusive community through the sort of civic fabric of, of government. Um, but we also talked about growth. You have to talk about growth in a place like Northwest Arkansas. So smart growth, what it means to preserve the small town character of our town while also reflecting mm -hmm. that it's the fastest growing town in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, and then finally, transparent government because as, as good of a job as Bentonville does, and they actually have done a, a wonderful job and compared to other towns in Arkansas, do yeah. a great job of making information available and transparent, the more open and accessible government is to people, mm -hmm. the, more, the more folks can engage. And so I always think that, I, I think there's more we can do always, but specifically there's more Bentonville can do to invite and include citizens in the process of governing the city. Yeah, and I think that reflects in the amount of civic engagement that we had this time around. I mean, when you look at the data of, of voter turnout, um, Washington and Benton County, are the two besides Pulaski had the highest increase in voter turnout in the entire state where the rest of the state actually regressed. These are these two counties um, progressed in a huge way. And I think obviously that has a lot to do with the counties doing their job. But obviously, like you said, it, just like people having candidates that are running for these great things. And it's something that you touched on that we talked about off air is this kind of wave of people um, who are running for different ideals that, that have not happened at this level before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in every city in Northwest Arkansas, we've had people of color that are coming forth, um, people that have been guests of the show before. Mm -hmm. um, we had DeAndre Jones, and there are other people running in, that ran in Springdale, Rogers. April and Rogers, yeah. And, you know, it, 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 they're trying to change something um, that hasn't been fought for before in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, and I think it's really, like, it's really interesting because, I mean, 
identity poli- politics has like either like it can be positive and it can be negative right um you're the first uh is it well i guess what would be the correct term it'd be the first is it are you the first woman of color also to i, I actually don't i don't know that for sure i mean mm-hmm. i've lived in mittenville six years and i've never seen a woman of color on our council we have a man of color on the council now but I, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that data mm-hmm. point. I'm the first, so far as, as we can tell, and we've asked a lot of folks, I'm the first Asian American woman mm-hmm. to be elected to public office in Arkansas. Mm. Um, and when I heard that data point, which again, I'm pretty sure is right, but you never know, um, I actually was really disappointed. I wasn't yeah. excited, right? Because you sort of go like, um, you sort of pause for a second. You say, like, it's 2020. How could that possibly be true? Yeah. How could I possibly be first? You take a deep breath and you say what Kamala Harris says, which is I may be the first, but I won't be the last. Yeah. Right? And so, like, you just have to kind of push that that energy in. And I think we get a little bit overly obsessed with the idea of firsts. That's not yeah. the important part. The important part is that the barrier has been broken down and it is now possible to create or to do or to be something different than folks thought people that do that mm-hmm. serve in city council become vice president whatever it might be right can do um yeah. but yeah it's it's a little overwhelming to me to have that data point and you know there's not a large asian american population in the state of arkansas it, increasingly growing in the indian american community in mentonville so mm-hmm. it, it makes sense but it's also a little bit alarming i remember i think it was like a, a panel that i was a part of uh, i think like six or seven years ago and there was an Asian American uh, woman who had ran for judge in Washington County. She didn't win, fortunately, but I think she did mention some, something about how she would have been the first elected uh, Asian woman uh, to serve. And yeah, it's just it's, it's crazy. It just I mean, sets you back. You just have to like look at that data. Just it's just data, yeah. right? And you go, well, that's an interesting fact. And then you move on to the next thing. And you know that the next Asian woman in Arkansas who decides to run doesn't have to wrestle with that fact. She mm-hmm. just goes, oh, yeah, it's been done before. I can do it again. So I feel like now now there, there is a sense of responsibility, right, oh, in like yeah. what you're doing. Because it's like there's, there's a sense of responsibility for April, for Kevin, for, for Sonia in Fayetteville. Absolutely. Um, because people are going to look to you and say, okay, yes, she was the first person elected, but like what did she do? But at the same time, it's like besides uh, what you do on the actual uh, city council meetings, people are going to look to you to see if like you got, you actually get involved in your community, you know, because there's people that get elected in these positions and they don't really no one really knows them in, in, in our neighborhoods. Right. Because they never show up to our events. They're never out in our community. So they're, they're strangers. Um, have you thought about that? And um, have you thought about like what you want to do to make sure that that uh, you represent in an inclusive manner where you'll make people feel like like anybody can come to Benville and live there and, and, and be part of the community? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've thought a ton about it, and I think, um, you know, I have a lot of a lot of friends and have a lot of, have a lot of supporters in the Indian American community in Bentonville, and I'm deeply grateful and privileged for that support, but I'm not serving on the council to represent Indian Americans in mm-hmm. Bentonville, right? I'm serving on the council to represent Bentonville Mm -hmm. and I think your point about identity politics earlier it's 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 dangerous in Mm -hmm. some sense and it can be empowering and you know we've had predominantly white male dare I say even older elected officials in most of our public offices across the state of Arkansas doesn't mean they've done a bad job but it does mean we, we lack significant representation um in public office 
And to me, improving the diversity of the representation in public office in all ways and amongst both parties is only a good thing. It brings more diversity of thought and ideas to the table. It'll help us have stronger and better governance. So I think it's a it's it's an awesome responsibility, but it's also a critical transformation that a state like Arkansas that is changing and even more so specifically a community like Bentonville that has seen the kind of growth and transformation that we've seen over the last couple of years. I won't say it's an, an inevitability, but it's an opportunity. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm proud to be part of that, but also I know that I need to go out of my way to be accessible. I need to go out of my way to be transparent. And I want, you know, folks that supported me and folks that didn't to know that I will always be clear about where I stand on issues and why, and that I'll always hear folks out, you know, irrespective of what community they come from, how long they've lived in Bentonville, or what their political affiliation may be. I, I so I want to challenge that idea a little bit with the identity politics because I think you know that in a in a more broad sense, I think identity politics matters. It, um, especially in your case between men and women and i know that that's something that's important to you can you speak on your opinion of how um a, a woman in an elected office may make a difference sure yeah and i don't i wouldn't say overall identity politics is negative i mm -hmm. just think it it can become dangerous when even like in wards right i represent ward one in bentonville am i going to do something that's only good for ward one or something that's good for the whole town and i think when we get into that like i'm in it for my people or the people in my geography or the people of my race or ethnicity that's where it starts to get messy, right? The more mm -hmm. we can do as elected leaders for the good of the civic whole, the better. But I'm glad you asked about women. And you know, for me, thinking about the role of women in politics, I personally can't do without thinking about my role as a mother. I have yeah. a six-year-old son who just started kindergarten this fall. I have a four-year-old daughter. And my motivation to engage in elected office is a direct result of my children and wanting to build a community that I know I will be proud and comfortable to raise them in that aligns to the values that my family and I have. I think the challenge of engaging women in elected office is that there's no time. Like I don't, nobody has time to run for office, yeah. and the, the least of which is going to be a working mother, which yeah. is the case for me, right? And so you you have to like when folks ask me like should I should I do it. My answer is not yes or no, it's know your why. Know your why, because if you know why you wanna do it deeply and you, and you wanna do it for a reason that's bigger than you, you'll do it and you will, you will fare well at it because your motivation will come from that, you know, that higher sense of purpose to, to build civic community, um, to include others, et cetera. For me, that's my, my sort of greater sense of purpose. And if you don't have that, you'll just run out of steam. You'll yeah. just, you'll just like, because it's up. hard, like you you'll said just curl earlier up on the floor and be like, I'm yeah. out, I'm yeah. out. Your kids are saying like, mommy, don't, don't go to this campaign event. Mm -hmm. Your work, you know, work is very demanding. I work for a very demanding company. I love my job, but it's hard. Um, and so, you know, you have to, the, the motivation to find the energy at 6 PM on a weeknight when you've worked mm -hmm. a full day to run a phone bank with volunteers is not normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you just have to know why you're gonna do it. But I think there are a lot of people in this community 
whose voices and um, talents we desperately need in elected office. Mm -hmm. And I think too many of them tell themselves they shouldn't, 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 wouldn't, couldn't, all of those things. So I just hope that that my work helps for some of those I can't to turn to maybe I could. Yeah, yeah. So one, I guess one of the things that people of color in general, whenever they run for like a city council race, um, they'll always get people who will try to categorize them as as a, just person of, of a person of color, right? That like you said, only representing their communities um, and won't vote for them, will vote for the white counterpart simply because they kind of feel that they're going to represent everyone. Um, how did you stay away from being stereotyped in that manner? Because I, I think that, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but the city of Benville isn't really known to, for, for being progressive. Uh, That's fair. When it comes to leadership, at least, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's like, so how are you, because I know people in, in Springdale, people in Fayetteville, um, that battled with that, yeah, and and they and they might have not been able to overcome it the way that you did and and be elected. Um, how did you fight that, um, and what did you do in order to, I guess, gain the respect of folks who might not like agree necessarily with progressive yeah. politics? You know, I think. Um, I mean, what what brought me to Northwest Arkansas is my day job, and you know, I work for a large retailer up the street, and I've learned a ton working there. Um, particularly, I've learned how to talk about tough issues without alienating half of the room, mm. right? So there's ways to talk about, when, when I talk about inclusion, I talk about a place where everyone feels welcome no matter where they came from. I'm saying something very specific about immigration and about structural racism, um, but I'm not using those words. Mm. But I think it's incredibly important that we establish a baseline in Bentonville that is inclusive. And I believe that's the right moral thing to do, and it's the way that humans should treat each other, it's the behavior, um, it's the behaviors I'm trying to teach my kids. And this might be a little crass to say, but it is also the right economic decision for a place like Bentonville to make, right? Mm -hmm. So we seek to attract tourists. We want people to come and spend their money on a holiday or a vacation in Bentonville. People don't want to do that in a place with a Confederate monument at the center yeah. of our square, right? right. And so, so there, there is a moral argument to be made about how we become and build and care for and nurture an inclusive community. There's also an economic argument to be made because it is, um, it will help us grow. It will help us as uh, one of the many growing municipalities in Northwest Arkansas distinguish ourselves as being a place of inclusion. So I think it's, it, there's nothing about it that's easy. Um, and I think that it's also, you know, it's important to respect how um, challenging this moment in time can be for a lot of folks in the community that are used to things being one way and they're changing. Mm. Change is hard, uh, but that doesn't mean we have to be mean to each other. I mean, it's just that, like, that's, that's what I tell my six-year-old. So yeah. that's, you know, that's what I, the values I hope I'll bring to the council is like, change is hard, but doesn't mean we have to be mean about it. Um, and this community is changing mm -hmm. and that change is hard for a lot of folks to get comfortable with. Right, especially when the change is happening as quickly as it's happening in Northwest Arkansas. It is difficult. Um, I think we're thankful for leaders like you that have been uh, patient with everybody because <laughs> it is very difficult to be patient.
you do and you know like Urban knows this but like uh, the you get criticized from all sides right, right. I'm, I'm not I'm not progressive enough on the one hand. I'm too progressive on the other hand. I'm too, like there's, and that's and that's politics. That's mm-hmm. politics for you, right? Is the the purpose is not to make everyone happy because you cannot do that. The purpose is to be honest and transparent and moral and ethical, mm-hmm. and to look out for the good of your community. But that doesn't mean everyone is happy and feels good about every decision that gets made. And I think that's why so many people just feel like, oh, I don't I don't like politics. Because um, we we like the people around us to like us and mm. and not to have not to come at us with tough questions or mm. feel negative feelings. But the reality is when you ha- when you face the kind of tough challenges and problems that these regions are facing, this region is facing, requires it requires a backbone and it requires leadership and it requires tough choices. Definitely, definitely. When's your first day? Um, January first. Oh. So <laughs> is that that's whenever y'all yeah, take those? Yeah. So well, so that's when I you know who knows with COVID hypothetically there will be a, a swearing <laughs> Maybe through in. Zoom probably. Maybe on Zoom right there, <laughs> your right hand on Zoom. Um, my first council meeting will be January twelfth. Um, that's coming up. That's like what a little bit over a month. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's an expedited orientation, right? I lost a month there to the to yeah. the runoff. Yeah. So it's it's quick. You know, yeah. it's really quick. So how do you, okay, you run uh, through the general election. Um, how did you feel at that moment? Did you think that, did you know back <laughs> then that you had, a, first of all, that you had a good chance of, of ending up in the last the last two? Um, and also, at the same time, um, how were you already preparing for the runoff? Yeah, I, I, you know, <laughs> I mean, of course, I I wanted I, I ran to win, and I um, I thought we had a good shot. I was incredibly pleased. So I did think we'd make it into the top two. I didn't think we'd be the top vote getter on election night, mm. the fr- election night one point uh, November third. Yeah. Um, what was that percentage? Uh, we were it was so we were fifty or excuse me twenty five point some percent which okay. was about two percentage points higher than the next highest vote getter all of which was a far cry from the 40 yeah. percent needed to win out right on election day mm. so you know i think it was 500 votes up on election day mm. um and i think that did something really important shifting from election day into the runoff mm. which like you know they joke in politics like you get momentum behind a campaign but it gave our campaign momentum and you know the consternation of the long and drawn out final results of the presidential our campaign gave something for folks to distract themselves with at least in those first few weeks of november mm-hmm. so there was just a lot of really positive energy getting poured into making calls and doing voter outreach and getting ready for the the get out the vote efforts of the runoff and then there was thanksgiving and we were yeah. <laughs> weren't going to campaign on thanksgiving and yeah. and then there was the final push on the monday and tuesday that followed thanksgiving and you know runoff elections have historically low turnout we actually had really record high turnout for bentonville um and and one-handedly you know we had 56 percent of the vote in bentonville mm-hmm. which is I was confident, um, I was optimistic, but I didn't think we'd win by that kind of a margin. Yeah. And I think that that's a reflection of people feeling a clear sense of why I was running, like of what they were supporting um, and what they could be confident I was going to advocate for as their council person. Did you celebrate anyway that night? <laughs> hmm. um, 
we had a Zoom party, so we had a, um, I had a thank you event for the campaign team about a half hour before the results came out. I had an amazing campaign manager. We actually had four paid interns on the campaign, two in college and two in high school. I don't believe in unpaid internships, so we paid, I paid, raised the money and paid my interns. Um, and then we hired someone to help us with data toward the end. Um, so we had five people, and so we did, we did a Zoom party, um, mm. and and then I got got results and sat in my driveway, socially distanced from my campaign manager and, and a couple of our volunteers, three of us, mm. <laughs> wow. freezing our tail off in the driveway so <laughs> yeah. we could be outside together. Um, but it was, you know. It's a fun evening. Yeah, that's so beautifully cool. 2020. It, re it really was. It was a classically 2020 election oh, night party. That's great. So what are you most excited about? Like once once you get sorted on the 1st and then on the 12th meet, first meeting uh, in January, uh, what are you most excited about uh, getting started in regards to you being a, a city councilwoman? Sure. Two things. Um, one is I just can't shake what ultimately sort of re-motivated me to run. I'll tell you a super quick story. When I was running in 2018, I was doorbelling in a neighborhood in Southwest Bentonville, and I doorbelled an Indian American home, and there was a young woman out front, and I started talking to her young, like maybe seven or eight, mm. and I gave her <laughs> my lit, and she looked at it, and she said, your name's Gayatri? And I said, yeah, and she said, my name's Gayatri. Mm. And she just like, she just like started she and she was like what are you should all these questions me what are you running for are you really running for office is this really you and she kept saying to me she probably asked me like four times is your name really Gaitre? wow and 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 anyway her parents came out we had a great chat they, they supported the campaign at that time but like i that young woman who i guess would be nine now knowing that someone named Gaitre is on the bentonville city council mm -hmm. where she lives doesn't like it doesn't matter like that that's bigger than any policy impact that I'll have on the council mm -hmm. because before me choosing to run she didn't have that yeah and that's just that's the biggest thing now mm -hmm. that being said we have a lot of work to do um, and we have a and I'm excited to start to do it so uh, getting to know my colleagues I think will be the, the most important first step yeah. Um, I'm optimistic others in Bentonville will want to join me in a sidewalk symposium. We, we're missing mm -hmm. a lot of sidewalks in Bentonville. It's really dangerous for pedestrians and for bikers. And I just want to make sure people understand why. What, like, why is that the case? It has to do with the history and development. Um, and what, what might we be able to do about it in the future? And then, you know, a lot of small businesses have reached out to me. As, as we all know, small businesses are really struggling as a result of COVID. Yeah. Um, Springdale and Fayetteville have outdoor recreation areas. Bentonville doesn't have one yet. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know how much I can do immediately to advocate for that. But I definitely want to make sure that I am. Oh, that's really good. Um, I th one of the things that, that you that you've done the past few years is you've organized a lot with with women, uh, with women of all colors. Um, to end today's episode, um, if you can give some words to women of color out there who might have a little small idea of one day running for office, but it hasn't blossomed because no one's really reached out to them or they haven't heard directly from someone. Uh, what are some words that you would like to to give those women to hopefully inspire them and motivate them to one day run for office? Thank you for that opportunity. Yeah, I um, the everything I do, I do because I was my so I was raised by a single mom, and my mom taught me probably the most significant lesson, which is that you you own your value and worth in your community. No one gives it to you. No one takes it from you. 
And I think that for me personally, my journey to decide to run wasn't about public office. It was about my sense of value and worth and ensuring that I had the self-confidence I needed to go out into the world and know that I brought value and worth into every room I walk into. And I, I know that um, every woman in this community already does that, but I also know she may not know that she does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, it's a process of finding, finding, your, finding a community that will sustain and support you, finding mentors. Um, don't do it on your own. It's, it's not something you are meant to do independently, but that sense of value and worth serves you in everything. It'll help you show up in your family, it'll help you show up at work, and it'll help you show up in your community. So if I can help, reach out to me. Well, thank you. And that wraps up the episode for this week. Thank you for joining us, Councilwoman. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you in the next few months. Maybe we can get an update as to, like, you know, what you've been working on and everything in the next few months. But that's the end of the show this week. We'll catch you all next week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all. Peace.